0: Southeast Radio's Business Matters with Carl Fitzpatrick. Southeast Radio.
1: Well, last week, Jur Deering, the Financial Services and Pensions Ombudsman, published his decisions for 2019, and he joins me now to discuss his role and the type of complaints which he investigates. Jur, we'll be discussing your role as the Financial Services and Pensions Ombudsman, but prior to taking up this important job, you had already held some very high-profile positions.
0: Good morning, Carl, and thanks for the opportunity. Yes, and indeed, one of them was based in the southeast, East, Carl, where uh, I was the director of the National Employment Rights Authority, or NIRA, which was be- is headquartered in Carlo, And then I was involved in actually reforming the workplace relations institutions, which uh, was a major project undertaken a few years ago, where five of the employment rights bodies were actually uh, merged into two bodies to make the system simpler. And I suppose uh, one of the areas I'm most known for was as Taxi Regulator, the National Taxi Regulator, which involved regulating taxis throughout the country.
1: So perhaps you can remind us now about the function of the Financial Services and Pensions Ombudsman and what your role would typically entail.
0: Okay, well our role is to actually resolve disputes where consumers are unable to resolve them uh, if they have a complaint against their financial service provider, so that could be their bank, their insurance company, Uh, or a pension provider and if they're unable to to resolve a complaint against them then they can make a complaint to our office and it's a free and confidential service where we try to resolve the complaint initially uh, in an informal way through mediation and if we don't manage to resolve it through mediation and we do actually manage to resolve the vast majority of complaints in that form. But where we don't, I can issue a legally binding decision. And that decision is legally binding on both parties and can only be appealed to the High Court.
1: And Gerard, what volume of complaints is your office dealing with per year? And in that respect, what's the breakdown between the different types of financial services organisation?
0: Last year and the year before, we received about 5,500 complaints each year. So that's over 10,000 complaints in the last two years. Uh, they would be broken down Probably about uh, nearly 60% would be against banks, um, maybe high 30s percentage against insurance companies, and then a small number, smaller number of complaints against pension providers. And
1: in general, what type of complaints would be submitted to the ombudsman?
0: They range, Carl, from, let's say, an insurance. Uh, it could be that somebody had their insurance policy cancelled. Uh, and this is something that I regularly remind people of the significance of having a, an insurance policy cancelled. It can have very serious implications for uh, a consumer. So it's important that the that the person taking out the insurance policy gives all of the information correctly when they take out the policy. And equally, it's very important that uh, an insurance company would actually ask for the information it needs in a clear way so that people can actually give the information. For example, very often people are asked, have you had a previous um, claim on an insurance company if that question is not answered correctly it can have very serious implications so we it ranges from in the insurance area as i say where policies are cancelled or claims are not paid on the banking side uh, it could be something like somebody had their credit rating incorrectly reported or you know they were refused a particular service
1: and in relation to the complaints process once a complaint is received by your office what process do you go through
0: The first thing we do is check that the person has actually complained to their bank or their insurance company in the first instance. And it's important, if somebody has a complaint, that they would actually make that complaint to the company first. Uh, If they've done that and they have what's called a final response letter, then the complaint moves on to our dispute resolution officers. So a dispute resolution officer is a mediator. They'll pick up the phone, they'll ring the complainant, they'll clarify what it is that the complaint is about and get the essence of it. And they then start to engage with the bank or the insurance company and they go between the parties to see can they get a resolution to it at that level. If it's not resolved, there then it moves on to a more formal process which is the investigation process and there we exchange evidence and that would include all the written documentation it could include uh, recordings of telephone calls and I then consider all of that evidence in arriving at my legally binding decision.
1: And what are the relevant timelines spanning the period from the time a complaint is launched to the issuing of your decision?
0: Well it varies if The complaint is going to be resolved through mediation, that can be managed within a a number of weeks. We try to have those complaints resolved within three months at the latest. Now, unfortunately, when it moves on to the more formal investigation process, Carla it can take a good deal longer, and it actually depends on how many submissions the complainant makes, how many submissions the, the provider makes, the complexity and the amount of evidence that is submitted. So, it can take it can take about a year, indeed, sometimes for a complaint. Uh, to get through that whole process but uh, something we're working on actually is improving the time that it takes because we're glad to say we've taken on more staff and we are working our way through complaints quicker at this stage.
1: And I do believe that mediation has become very popular also in relation to resolving complaints that come before your office.
0: It has, because it's an easier and less formal way for people to resolve the complaint. It also is much quicker. And one of the advantages of mediation is that the parties themselves agree to the settlement. So it is the parties who are coming up with a solution to the complaint. And they can often come up with a more innovative uh, and more suitable solution than a decision from myself.
1: And of course, your decisions are also legally binding. But what powers do you have as the financial services and pensions ombudsman?
0: well i can there's i can direct compensation of up to half a million euro so that would obviously be where there's a serious detriment to a person but i can also direct rectification and sometimes rectification can actually be more important than the compensation. Let's say, for example, if somebody had the misfortune to have their house burned down and when they make the claim on the insurance policy, the insurance company uh, refuses or rejects the claim. If I found that that was unreasonable, I could actually direct the insurance company to pay the claim and there is no limit on the rectification. So whatever the cost of rebuilding the house or rebuilding the the property, it can, I can direct that. Important to say as well, Carl, that actually it's not just individual consumers who can make complaints to our office, small business, any any business or any organisation that has a turnover of less than 3 million can use the services of this office.
1: One other element to your legally binding decisions also is that they can be appealed to the High Court by either party. What percentage of your decisions go actually to an appeal?
0: a very small percentage is probably less than 2% in the last 2 years so six out of about 650 decisions issued have been appealed to the to the high court uh, i should also say that we i publish all my decisions and in fact last week i published um a, a tranche of almost 400 decisions and with that I published a digest of decisions as well. So this helps people to understand the work of the office.
1: But the tracker mortgage scandal must have put your office into turmoil when it was announced.
0: It certainly did. We've been dealing with tracker mortgage complaints for quite some time and we would currently have about 1,100 tracker mortgage complaints on hand. We dealt with over 500 uh, Tracker Mortgage complaints last year, and in fact i would be publishing uh, some of the Tracker Mortgage decisions in the next couple of weeks and I will also publish a digest on that. And obviously uh, people who have been at the loss of a Tracker Mortgage who were actually entitled to it uh, would have, it would have had a serious impact on their lives over the last number of years. Indeed we find many of the complaints that we deal with the outcome has a very serious implication for the for the people concerned.
1: Now of course when you do make a decision in relation to a tracker mortgage that sets a precedent so is that something that the banks take into consideration with a view to preventing people having to go through the full formal process of making a complaint to the ombudsman?
0: Well, we would certainly hope that they would, and indeed, already we have seen evidence of that where banks have applied not just tracker mortgage decisions, but other decisions. Now, I have to stress that they're not required to. That is the significant difference between, say, my own office here and the central bank. The central bank, as the regulator, can uh, make decisions and can uh, implement regulations across all of the banks and across all of the financial service providers. We deal with individual complaints here, so my decision would be in relation to an individual complaint. But good practice would suggest that where a provider has a decision like that, that they would actually apply the benefits of it to other customers in similar circumstances.
1: And if you could share one piece of advice that could possibly resolve some of the issues that come before you at an earlier stage, what would it be?
0: It would be to say to the financial service providers to listen to their customers. Uh, I would actually say, Carl, that communication is at the heart of of the vast majority of complaints that we deal with here. It is, that is why we're able to resolve so many complaints through mediation. It is that people haven't been listened to. And in fact, when we did research back in 2015 and 2016, we found that 80% of people who made complaints to this office against a larger financial service provider had never had the opportunity to speak to anybody before they made the complaint here.
1: I know that there's been a dramatic increase from around about 4,000 complaints per year to 5,500 complaints per year over the past two years. Is that a trend that you expect will continue in years ahead?
0: I think what's happening is there's more awareness of the services of the office. Uh, There's also, of course, that you've already referred to, the tracker mortgage complaints, which certainly would have increased complaints. Um, I would like to think that over time uh, it, it won't continue to increase, but the reason I would want that not to happen is because that the banks would, you know, learn from the decisions of this office and improve their own communications and their own service to customers.
1: Is there ever a time when you as the Financial Services and Pensions Ombudsman feed back information to the central bank and to the financial regulator about making changes to codes of conduct?
0: Yes, we have a very good relationship with the central bank and uh, certainly we, we sometimes see things through the evidence and the Investigations we do in this office, and where we see something that we would have a concern about, I would draw that to the attention of the central bank. And in particular, on the tracker mortgage issue, I've worked very closely with the central bank.
1: Well, if you've just tuned in, that was Jur Deering, the financial services and pensions ombudsman. And I would like to thank Jur for sharing his insights into his role with us this morning.
0: Southeast Radio's Business Matters with Carl Fitzpatrick.